Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. We put a call out last week for listeners to share their 2021 career goals. It's not too late to let us know your goals so we can ensure our programming supports you. So send those goals to me at careercentralhost at gmail.com. That's careercentralhost at gmail.com. Career Central is here to help you achieve those goals by airing shows on relevant topics. With all the changes we went through in 2020 and those that have already started to affect 2021, many of us are asking the question, what's next in the world of work? Our guest this morning is going to help us figure out how to answer that question. Chris Bishop is a future workplace expert who teaches professionals how to prepare to succeed in jobs that have not yet been created in our 21st century global borderless workplace. Chris, welcome to Career Central and agreeing to share your expertise. Well, thank you, Lorraine. I'm delighted to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity to share my perspective with your audience. Chris, you have one of the most unique career paths I think I've ever um, seen. And so would you share with our listeners where you started and how you um, worked into your current role? Sure. Um, So I describe myself as a nonlinear multimodal careerist. So by that, uh, I mean, I've had eight different careers in the past 45 years since I graduated from college with a degree in German literature, of all things. Um, now, to be fair, I minored in music, so that was a, a theme that kind of went out throughout all these careers. And when I say careers, I mean that th- I still have friends who are doing some of the things that I did for a living. Um, you know, they weren't jobs necessarily. They were sort of unique um, skill sets that, uh, you know, allowed people to, to generate earned income. So anyway, right after graduating from college, I got a gig touring with a rock band called McKendry Spring. I did three albums with them and opened for groups like the Eagles and ZZ Top. Um, The band broke up. I moved to New York, became a session musician. I played with people like Robert Palmer and Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley. Um, Getting tired of being on the road, I asked my friends how to sleep in my own bed at night. They said, jingles, man, you got to break into the session scene. So through sheer dint of perseverance, I broke in first as a bass player and then as an arranger, composer, finally as a producer, uh, writing uh, music for radio and TV commercials, which turned out to be a good way to make a living and, and stay at home. I then became intrigued by this wacky technology called the World Wide Web in the sort of early 90s and um, taught myself to be a web producer, produced a website for a jingle house that I was working for in New York, um, and then said, oh, this looks like it's going to have global, socio, cultural, and business impact. Uh, let me, you know, get better at this and see if I can make a living doing this. So I left the Jingle Biz, hung out a shingle as a jingle as a web producer, um, worked at a couple of seminal interactive agencies in New York, and then, much to my surprise, was hired by IBM into corporate internet programs. That was an interesting interview, needless to say. Um, and I worked there for 15 years in a variety of roles, uh, management consulting kinds of guidance for execs with P&Ls, um, couple of stints at headquarters and HR comms and then corporate citizenship at the IBM Foundation. I uh, ended up working 
uh, in global financing, which is the bank at IBM, which finances everything from like consulting engagements to maintenance contracts for Big Iron. Um, and then for the past several years, I e-tired I e about seven years ago, and I've been working as a freelance kind of writer and speaker talking about uh, future of careers based on how I navigated these multiple careers, this nonlinear path. I want to thank you for sharing and reinforce something that you said I think is really important um, and want to make sure our listeners picked it up, is that a career is a set of skills that you use, take with you, develop, they're under your control. Because we always talk about our listeners being in charge of their careers, they're managing their careers. And this is a perfect example of you managing your career, developing skills, using skills versus a job, which is where an employer is telling you what needs to be done. I mean, you work for IBM, they probably set goals, you had things to do, but that was your job and yeah. your career goes with you. So I just wanted to reinforce that that insight, because as we move forward in our conversation about careers and developing careers, I want people to think about careers, their skill set, sort of, you know, visually put it in your backpack and take it with you. All yeah. right. So yeah. now well, I want to know. <laughs> okay. Well, the other, the other thing I would say just to follow on that thread, Lorraine, is that um, in terms of careers, right, th there's always a situation where you have transferable skills and you have a delta. You have a gap where you've got to acquire new skills. Mm-hmm. So certainly the rate and pace at which, you know, those gaps are appearing, depending on, you know, the field you're in, but they, they're changing much more rapidly than they did, say, 20 or 30, even 50 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did over the course of these multiple careers is figure out what do I know how to do that I can take into this next career, mm -hmm. and what do I not know how to do that I've got to figure out how to do? I've got to figure out where to learn it, where can I acquire these skills, and combine the two and then step into this new role. Um, and I did that over and over. Okay. Again, just reinforcing exactly what you said, you know, backpack of skills, but it's not going to get you very far. Sort of like if you do that backpacking, you know, you run out of food, you run out of supplies, you've got to keep replenishing it. I don't know why I'm on the backpack um, <laughs> methodology, but I just, I just got that feeling that this is probably a good way to um, look at moving forward through the wilderness of um, work. Yeah. Making sure you have on your back what you need. And if you don't, stop and get it. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, enough editorializing on my part. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I, I looked forward to having this conversation, but I will, I will control myself a little bit more and ask the questions <laughs> and not editorialize. No but anyway, um, as a futurist, um, how do you envision the evolution of work? How do you figure out what's coming next? Well, so one of the nicest compliments I ever got was um, after a keynote I gave at the Texas STEAM Summit in Houston, um, this gentleman who was the head of uh, curriculum for this consortium of private schools called uh, Nord Anglia came up to me and he said, I go to a lot of conferences and you know, speakers talk about, you know, jobs of the future, we don't know what's coming, and it's hard to say, but they don't exist, and people will be doing things we can't imagine. And he said, but one of the things I loved about your talk was that you laid out what, the, what they might be. So, all by way of saying, with all lack of modesty, it's not rocket science. There are lots of ways to identify signals, um, if you put up your antenna, as I say, and kind of look for, you know, what's coming. And there are lots of sources 
I mean, they're really um, on the fringe sources like Peter Diamandis, for example, the brilliant futurist, uh, you know, connected with Singularity University. There are websites like futurism.com. Uh, um, and there are even signals embedded in uh, articles in the Wall Street Journal or TV shows like Bloomberg Technology or BBC Click. Um, you can dig into patent filings. You can look at what university uh, research labs are doing, what corporate R&D is spending money on, um, even emerging products. I mean, there's lots of ways to get a sense of what kind of jobs slash careers slash skills are coming down the pike and, and uh, you know, what's going to be needed. And in turn, you know, what the gap might be and how you might acquire skills to be successful in these new settings, these new careers. You want to give us an example of maybe how you used all of those um, resources to, to come up with a thought of what's coming next? Sure. So one of the examples I love to cite is um, a new discipline uh, that we're calling nanopharmacy. Right. So the three chemists who won the Nobel Prize for chemistry about three years ago won it for the development of nanomachines. So these are machines that tend to the minus nine, right, at the nanoscale. And just to reinforce um, the importance of this kind of technology, MIT, uh, a couple of years ago, um, opened a $400 million building on campus focused on nanotechnology. It's basically nine floors of clean rooms focused on everything from drug development to material science. Um, and the, so the other part of that is delivering pharmacology at the um, molecular, even atomic level. Right, so by combining those two disciplines, you you come up with a discipline called nanopharmacy. Um, there are two professors at the University of Berkeley, out near you. <coughs> excuse me. Um, they developed developed something called neural dust. It's an implantable device. It's the size of a grain of rice that generates ultrasound uh, to stimulate, say, tumors or wounds or whatever, um, and also captures data using like RFID kind of technology to get status on, um, you know, like a person's condition, if you will, right? Taking their vitals. So that's the kind of thing that's, that's, for example, that's one example of two disciplines merging that haven't been historically connected, driven by technology, um, that are going to require new skills to, to be viable. So it's pretty exciting. That's fascinating. Now, let's just push you a little bit further. This is the technology. What What's the rollout going to be in terms of, of careers? So with any uh, um, emerging technology, there's always sort of a core competency, if you will, that's required to do it. So in the case of nanopharmacy, right, you're going to have to have people who are familiar with developing machines at the nanoscale. So mechanical engineers that can build systems at 10 to the minus 9. And you're going to have to have pharmacologists or drug development or drug discovery uh, resources who know how to uh, develop medicines uh, that can be delivered in molecular amounts, right? And figure out together how to get this medicine to, again, like the wound or the tumor or the right location. So instead of barbaric things like radiation or chemo, you'll be able to send medicine directly to the place where it's needed, where it's applicable. So the other thing I would say is, so that's the core technology, 
But in addition to that, you're going to need, as always, adjacent and ancillary businesses. So there's going to be some kind of supply chain involved. Who's going to build these things? You're going to need salespeople. Who's going to sell them to whomever? You're going to need marketing and communications people. You're going to need operations people. Um, you know, you're going to need investment guidance, like which company do you pick? Where do you put your money? Um, so, again, I would say to your listeners, always keep in mind that with any emerging technology, there's lots of ancillary adjacent businesses and careers uh, that you could get involved in. So, just to take it, you know, down the path of this technology rolls out and then, again, marketing, sales, all of that. So our listeners who go, oh, wow, this is great technology are probably going to want to start studying that technology so that they have the vocabulary, they have the concepts um, that they need. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, so, and again, sort of my my sort of meta advice around this is uh, threefold. I say, chase the maelstrom, find the chaos, go for the mayhem. Like go where they don't know what it is yet. That approach has served me well for 45 years. Like, go where they, the royal they being existing business models or processes that are being um, overturned or disrupted by emerging technologies or um, transformative processes. And you'll be able, if you go there, you know, focus on that space, you'll be able to contribute, you'll be able to do something creative, you'll be able to have a career. You'll be remunerated with any luck. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I've continually done. And again, I encourage people to do that. Go, you know, don't be stuck on the edge of the eddy, you know, circling the drain or whatever. Like get, get down into where it's, you know, where, where they don't, again, where they don't know what it is yet. Because a lot of these kinds of emerging technologies, um, there's a great book, um, The Power of Pull by John Hagel. Uh, and he talks about, again, stuff that emerges historically on the fringe. Very often these kinds of technologies appear and then there's some kind of disruption where people try to figure out how to use it, how to standardize it, how to apply it. And once it's a, that part is figured out, then it gets adopted into business and into culture and society. And um, That's been going on for 350 years or so. So just to reinforce, I think what you're saying is that though things, there are technologies or companies that are fading, we can look on the horizon for new technology, creating um, new jobs across the board, not just in the STEM areas, but in sales and marketing and all of that. So I think that's very reassuring because again, um, job numbers weren't great um, this past week. And so just to know that even though some things are sinking, other things are going to be be rising. Uh, that is great. Yeah, and that's always a pattern, right, that goes on. Yeah. So we want to tap into all this research in, that you have been doing. Um, okay. What do you see in terms of changes in industries? Um, do, you, do you see some that are fading? That maybe our folks should go, mm, not going to invest a whole lot of time going in that direction? Well, so... Th- an example I love to cite when I do these in-person workshops, whether I do workshops at universities called How to Succeed at Jobs that Don't Exist Yet. Um, and I do them virtually as well. And again, if listeners are interested, I'd be happy to talk to you about doing one for your organization or at your university or whatever your setting is. But 
I cite an example of the Pony Express. So everybody knows what that is, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a viable business model for about 18 months. Right? I always say to people, don't sign up for the next Pony Express. Um, the idea is to keep in mind what technologies are coming and how they're going to disrupt and transform the business you're currently in. So just briefly, the Pony Express was put together by four bankers in Missouri and St. Louis, right? Um, they were able to get a package or a message from New York City, which historically took 30 days. They were able to get it to the the left coast in like 10 days, so which was remarkable in 1862 or whatever. What they didn't realize was that the Transcontinental Railroad was being built from San Francisco, you know, and they, they were going to meet in Promontory Port, Utah, and put the Golden Spike in. And concurrently, the telegraph was being built alongside the railroad tracks. So almost within a day, as soon as that spike was put in place, they were out of business because the telegraph could send messages basically instantly, right? The Victorian Internet could send messages coast to coast or all over the world. And you could put packages on a train in New York and get them to the west coast in like five days or less yeah. depending on so the idea is be aware of what technologies and business processes are disrupting the career you currently have mm -hmm. right because um, it's going to be disrupted there's no way around it right i mean we've seen the pandemic for example accelerate the adoption of technologies like uh, telehealth like zoom for corporate meetings like Uber Eats and Grubhub, uh, like Amazon, you know, needing 400,000 new employees to help manage the logistics around people buying stuff online and having it delivered to their doorstep. So as grim as it is, those are all represent opportunities. And really, regardless of discipline, certainly they're tech driven. But I mean, Amazon needs marketing people and Grubhub needs operations people and uh, you know, telehealth companies need logistics and legal advice. What do you do with that data? So anyway, I mean. Chris, we need to take a very short break. Um, and then when we come back, um, I want to keep exploring this wonderful perspective on growth and how to see growth so that we can start to think about moving our careers towards growth industries. Listeners, we'll be right back. Hang in there with us, and you'll hear more from Chris on the other side of our break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our interview with Chris Bishop, who specializes in predicting, I don't know what I say predicting, but he's a future workplace expert and he has been sharing with us um, his strategies, the, uh, how to identify emerging industries. Just before the break, we um, used the Pony Express as a great example of a company that was up and running for all of 18 months and then quickly replaced by the technology of the age. And then we moved into some really great information and uh, about the changes that the pandemic is going to make in terms of work and growth areas. So Chris, I'll turn it back to you. Um, you were talking about how, what industries you think are going to grow and continue to grow as a result of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I think business meetings, for example, are changed forever, right? I mean, I've heard various executives say they don't plan to get on a plane until 2024. Maybe. I mean, it varies depending on the business. And not to say that in-person meetings aren't valuable, but many of them have come to the realization, among other things, that they don't need to spend nine hours on a plane and waiting through airports to do a 45-minute sales kickoff town hall somewhere on the other side of the world. It just doesn't make sense, you know. It's not cost-effective, both from a financial perspective, but also from time. I mean, the time wasted doing that. Um Again, in terms of like careers, so as grim as it is, I would um, encourage your listeners thinking about changing careers to look for where there's opportunity. So certainly like companies that are managing, for example, telehealth. So I've had many telehealth visits over the course of the past year, and it's so much easier than getting in my car and schlepping 10 or 15 miles to some physical location and waiting in a waiting room and checking in and now signing in with the, with the iPad and wearing my mask. And it's, you know, so those kind of models are changing. Education for sure, as crazy as it is. And my heart goes out to the people with kids at home trying to, you know, deal with them learning remotely. But the, these are new models which are, you know, we're never going back to the way we did anything, right? It's going to, they're going to take advantage of the good things about the way we've been using technology over the past year um, and, and use it to make, you know, productivity improvements or make efficiency better or make interaction 
um, better. And again, people looking for new careers based on your area of interest or the vertical you like or your skill set or where you are in your career, I would look at, you know, what's been transformed over the past year where you might play a role. Again, where you could bring existing skills and or there may be a gap. You may have to figure out, you know, how do you run a telehealth meeting? I mean, how do you how do you deal with that code? How do you, or how do you sell that code? Or how do you support that code or whatever? But I mean, again, these are look at models that have been transformed and they're pretty easy to see. Right? The, you could make quickly make a long list, I think. Now, one of the things I I see emerging too is people who handle your Zoom meetings for you. So sort of that whole new concept of a of a field of of support of being an assistant. So I guess what I'm saying is when yeah. we talk about industry changes, sometimes we talk about people who are at the top tiers of an organization, but I think it actually filters all the way through an organization. Every technological change you see, again, is that ripple effect. It's going to um, yeah. open opportunities at all yeah. levels. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've, um, I've spent the past year being a master of ceremonies at uh, a couple of uh, virtual events called Inside Quantum Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to know the two producers um, from years ago, actually, and they were going to do an event live in New York in June, and needless to say, it had to move to Zoom. Um, and they asked me if I was comfortable sort of doing opening and closing remarks and moderating panels and doing it all in Zoom. And I said, sure, let's do it. So, again, that's a... That's a job that didn't exist like two years ago, or it appeared last year. Um, and I had some skills because I've done a fair amount of public speaking. I have a TEDx talk. Your viewers or listeners might want to check out. I did it at the TEDx Times Square in New York. It was pretty cool about seven years ago. Um, so I had to kind of learn how do you be an MC uh, in Zoom? And it's like I sort of figured it out, and it was a little rocky. We did one that was uh, inside quantum technology Europe. It required getting up at like 6 in the morning every day because it was on Central European time and uh, a lot of language issues. And um, The other thing, to your point about um, Zoom meeting helpers, we hired this production company, which consisted of like three former broadcast producers who had great skills at broadcast production, but there is no broadcast. I mean, it's coming back now for sure. But they built this company and they do uh, live Zoom events very similar to the way you do a live broadcast. They have a backstage, they have a green room, they have a run of show that they follow to the second. They do intro and outro music. They have, you know, ad videos and so this team has, you know, reinvented how they deliver content in this new model. So that's pretty cool. I want to tap into something you said about learning new technologies, new approaches, because I, I just really like to reinforce the fact that it's important to learn new stuff. And if you don't mind sharing, was there a fear factor like, you know, can I figure this out or, you know, how did you approach it? Because I think a lot of people when they go... First of all, there's the pandemic, which has caused a lot of stress. And then, oh, I have to learn new skills, you know. So if you can tell us how you, I mean, you know, you're a very successful professional and suddenly you took on the task of learning a new skill. Yeah. So I think one of the things to keep in mind is that 
we have to stop viewing education as an event that happened in the past. Right? And by that I mean, and this is an adage that, you know, everyone touts, but the I think it's true and worth restating, you know, the importance of lifelong learning. You've got to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Certainly I've had to do it many, many times. And I would, again, encourage your listeners to to not be afraid of it, be aware, you know, embrace it. That's that's the, a fact of life. If you want to be successful, you've got to figure out what you know and what you don't know how to do and figure out how to learn what you need to know. Um, the great thing is that there are lots and lots of ways to acquire these kinds of skills now, right? I mean, it used to be that a lot of this education uh, and this curricula um, pedagogy was only available, say, at, at elite universities or um, at best at sort of state schools or whatever. But nowadays, um, you can get education and information um, across a range of settings. Not only do MIT and Harvard offer their courseware via tools like edX and Coursera, but I mean, you can get information like on TED Talks. Um, there are lots of blogs that are very educational. As I said to you before, I'm taking an online course uh, it's Oxford University continuing education uh, in the history of economic thought because I'm sort of a closet economist right and it wasn't that expensive um, and I'll get some you know acknowledgement I can put on my LinkedIn profile for example just to kind of prove that I went through this um, there's going to be a social aspect to this online learning right MOOCs you know massively open online courses are available there are lots and lots of ways to get information um, I mean, even down to and including Wikipedia, I actually did a course for LinkedIn Learning called Future Proofing Your Data Science Career, and it's based on my workshop, but geared towards to the data scientists. That said, the core of it is my Future Career Toolkit, which your listeners may want to check out. Um, you can look for it online. Um, again, and LinkedIn Learning has lots and lots of content across a range of disciplines and topics, everything from, you know, leading with compassion to uh, mastering Excel. I mean, it's a range of, of skills you can acquire in lots of different settings. So I would encourage listeners to explore. And I, I want to um, just reinforce what you're saying, how important it is. And I love the learn, unlearn, and relearn. That's going to be a new part of my vocabulary. And though it's a minor detail, one of the things that you mentioned was once you learn something or acquire a new skill, it's on your LinkedIn profile. And again, I think that's something in terms of building a career is to show that you're constantly learning and changing because as these yeah. industries build, so do recruiters go, I have to find somebody that has a knowledge and, and, a, and a skill base. So that's great. Yeah. We have, during the pandemic, no news, seen a complete shift in how we do work. A lot of us are working from home, um, yeah. you know, uh, virtual, you know, like you say, we're not traveling anymore. Team meetings are on Zoom. What do you think is going to stay? What should we be prepared to excel in as we move forward? What will stay as a result of the pandemic? Well, uh, yeah, what, do you th what changes do you think will stay? Yeah. What's work going to look like? Well, I, again, I think um, meetings via Zoom and even conferences via Zoom um, will continue. I think conferences will evolve into some kind of hybrid model. I've had this conversation with the Insight Quantum technology execs as well as other people who run big events. 
um, there'll be a new model where if you want to go somewhere in person and have the time or the funds or uh, you know the discretion, whatever, you can do it. But you can also participate. There'll be a price point where you could go and sort of pick and choose what you want to attend and do it on your own time and do it sitting in your own location, wherever it might be, in your home office or in a Starbucks or on a train going somewhere or wherever is convenient, in a car. Um, so that's a, that's a new model. I think education is going to see a similar kind of transformation. Um, teachers are getting better and better at learning how to use these virtual tools. I think there'll be models where students who either want to or um, need to go in person can do that. I think it'll give them more options for what they can study and how they can study. I mean, I think of handicapped children, for example, who um, have difficulty getting to and from a physical location. I mean, they can now sit wherever they are and uh, be part of a group and be part of a learning experience that would have been challenging for them in the past, right? Um, I think medicine is going to be uh, completely renovated. Uh, you know, the days of making appointments and going and sitting in a waiting room and, as I said before, uh, you know, hang, hanging out and driving somewhere, you know, that's all going away unless there's, there's a real need. And I think, again, the tools will evolve between augmented reality and virtual reality where someday we might see the doctor and the patient putting on, you know, VR headsets and the doctor being able to do some uh, replication of a physical exam um, of you will be able to rep replicate your physicality to the degree the doctor can look at it, um, make recommendations. So I think those are examples. I think also logistics. I mean, who's going to not want to have stuff delivered to your doorstep, whether it's um, your latest uh, you know, set of pajamas or, or food, your favorite Chinese food or you know, a microphone for your next podcast or whatever. I mean, it's all very easy now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, certainly we want to support local businesses and be in stores together. But again, these sort of hybrid approaches, I think, are going to, going to continue. They're going to emerge and continue to be viable options. So um, just kind of using your model, that means that maybe small business don't just keep holding their breath until the pandemic is over, but they jump into the fact that I need to go into that delivery, that delivery model. So that opens up a whole new. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, so anyone involved in logistics of any kind um, or operations or sort of supply chain management, this is like, you know, without sounding macabre, this is a tremendous opportunity to do some innovative and creative solutioning based on the situation we find ourselves in, right? I mean, take advantage of the technology to identify customers and deliver products basically anywhere on the planet. You know, it's sort of accelerated this digital commerce uh, model, I think. I, I totally agree. I think logistics is going to be the next boom industry in, in terms of, of skill set. Yeah, I mean, Amazon hired like 400,000 people like, you know, in the past six months or something. I mean, some, mm -hmm. it's some crazy number like that. And my guess is they're not planning to downsize. Oh, no, they, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's part of how they run their business now, right? They're buying planes, so pilots and people connected with flight operations. That's a huge 
set of opportunities back to the sort of ancillary business discussion right mm -hmm. so it's good to buy a plane but you've got to manage it and support it and you've got to test it and you've got to fuel it and you've got to put stuff on and off of it and you've got to manage traffic and deal with airports i mean it's on and on and on so those are all career opportunities yeah. that didn't exist like a year ago right or, Great, great thoughts. Um, any more thoughts, though, about as as we continue to work at home as a futurist? What do you see the changes we need to make so that um, we're productive employees? Well, I think it's, it's the ways the challenge is sort of work life balance, right? Mm -hmm. So, my son, my son, my um, brother in law said to me at one point, he said, "I don't know if I'm working in my home office or s sleeping in my office." Working at home or sleeping in my office is kind of what he said. I'm like, yeah, I hear you, man. It's like, I guess you are doing that. Yeah. Both of those things. <laughs> so um, there have been, you know, numbers released saying that people are actually more productive working at home because they're able to manage their time more efficiently. Um, and the work-life balance to some degree is better because you can schedule going out to shop or spending time with your kids or getting the dry cleaning and they just be prepared to make up the time um, some way, somewhere during the course of the day, the 24 hours, right? So I think that's key to keep in mind, you know, balancing uh, what you do for work and what you do in your real life and knowing that it'll be fluid, that it'll vary and change that every day. It'll probably be different. There'll be days when you work more than you hang out with your family um, and other days when you have more sort of open time to kind of do stuff that you like to do. But be aware that, again, that's kind of a new model. Um, and em embrace it. I think it, uh, it represents opportunity to, uh, to be more flexible and to have a more fulfilling you know, work-life balance. Yeah, I think it's exciting that is, as we move forward, if work is redefined by employers as flexible, accomplishing goals rather than clocking in and clocking out, I think that you know, I know for a lot of, of folks, that's a much more desirable schedule to be able to take that, that midday break to maybe spend time with kids, but then work late into the evening because it's project-based. Yeah. We are going to take another very short break. And when we come back, we are going to um, talk to Chris about the best ways for us to prepare for these changes that we've been talking about. So stick with us. We'll be right back and continue our conversation with Chris. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting 
to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central. This is Lorraine Beeman, and we're having a wonderful time talking to Chris Bishop about the future of work. We, Chris, throughout this conversation, you've talked a lot about preparing for change, and but let's kind of summarize it for our listeners. What are best strategies for preparing for change? Well, I think... Um you know, keep keeping your eyes open. Like, what's what's happening in your particular discipline or functional area or vertical, right? So there are lots of ways to do this. I mean, everything from you know reading articles in elite newspapers like um, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. Um, Bloomberg is a great source of information around how business trends tie to technology. For example, at a at a meta level, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say, regardless of what business you're in. Um, try to stay abreast of what's happening in your field using these kinds of resources. And, you know, those are sort of high-level sources, but if you drill down, I mean, they're everything from sort of trade magazine-type websites that are much more niche-focused based on your vertical or discipline, right? And I would also encourage you to look at LinkedIn, right? So try to find thought leaders or influencers in your area of expertise, so say you're into like logistics in, um, in medicine or whatever, right? So do a search on LinkedIn. Who are the thought leaders in that space? Like who are the people um, at major companies or even at startups that are doing interesting stuff? Do a Google search. See if there are press releases about the latest and greatest. Somebody doing something in your field, your area of expertise, 
your vertical, your discipline. And that information is out there. You know, make it a point to say, maybe during your lunch break or at the end of the day, that's how you wrap up your day, like at 5 o'clock or 5.30 before you shut down the computer. You know, spend 15 or 20 minutes kind of looking for interesting stuff in your field. Who's doing interesting stuff? Both the actual people and the companies. And, uh, and track them down. And if it looks like their work is interesting to you and might represent a career opportunity down the road, you know, reach for them on LinkedIn. Ask to have a 30-minute informational interview to learn more about what they're doing and to introduce yourself and share with them your perspective on where you think that discipline or vertical is going. Get on their radar. And as a career coach, I want to reinforce what you said, not just to predict, but to prepare for interviews, for networking. Everything that Chris has suggested um, has multiple benefits. So, Chris, we ask each of our guests to give our listeners a five-second challenge that will help them begin to develop a career-advancing strategy. What would you like to challenge our listeners to do? Something they can start right away, and then we know they'll get hooked once they start it. Okay. Find out who the person or company is that's doing the most innovative work in your vertical. Okay. Right? Track them down. Follow them. If they have a, a blog or a Twitter handle, try to connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, see if they have a blog. Uh, see if they post maybe to the corporate website. Um, you know, find some way to connect with them. Maybe they're on Instagram. Maybe they're on Pinterest, depending on, maybe they're on YouTube. You know, use the tools. We have the tools mm -hmm. now. We have the technology. Um, and I would say make it a job to do that. Find a new person every week. Okay. My admonition to college students when I do these events at universities is add five people a week to your LinkedIn profile. Make it a job. If you get to Friday at five o'clock and you do a quick check on your LinkedIn profile, and that'll tell you, you know, how many people have uh, connected with you during the week. If it's not five, get to it sit down and track, use some Boolean parameters, right? So logistics plus drug discovery plus whatever, and find people and connect with them. You know, reach out to them. Because it's a numbers game at the end of the day, right? As we all know. I mean, it's not magic. It's like who knows who you are and what you do. And that just improves your odds of finding someone who will give you a career opportunity and that your next career opportunity and then the one after that. So I just put um, a note, find, follow, and connect, um, and try and do that with five people a day. Again, um, doing that in the industry, your industry. Great yeah. advice. Um, you can do it in five seconds, find your first one, and then what will happen is hopefully you'll get hooked because that is such a good career-building activity to keep up with your industry, keep up with the people leading your industry. Yeah. So, um, Chris, you've mentioned a few things, your, your seminars, your, your toolbox and all of that. And I know, you know, there's no way that we can cover all of those things in this, um, during this interview. So, would you share with our listeners how they can find you and how they can find these very valuable tools? Yeah. So, the first thing I would say is please connect with me on LinkedIn. I would encourage any and all of you to please reach out for me. So, I'm... Christopher Bishop, um, 
you'll you'll find there's a Christopher Bishop who's an ex he's actually a scientist at Microsoft and he lives in Edinburgh but that's not me <laughs> um, I'm the my profile picture has me with headphones on because I was a professional musician for 20 years and I just did a record actually last year for this wonderful woman artist Elise Morris it's now it's available on uh, Apple music and uh, and iTunes but and I still do gigs around Connecticut where I live with a bunch of different bands, including Otis and the Hurricanes and River City Slim and the Zydeco Hogs. Um, but so LinkedIn is the best place to find me, right? And you can find links to some of my content there, right? So um, links to my TEDx talk, to various presentations that I've done in different settings. I recently did a really interesting conversation called a Fireside Chat with um, a Romanian tech journalist. The event was called Go Tech World 2020. Um, he was in Bucharest, I was in Connecticut. Um, but it, I, I was able to provide kind of a wide-ranging perspective on jobs and careers and technology. So that's an interesting one. Um, you can email me. My email is chris at improvisingcareers.com, just the way it sounds, all run together. I have a website, improvisingcareers.com, where I keep track of, uh, you know, places that I've been and, and events I've spoken at. Uh, it's sort of a travel log section, but also breaks down my future career toolkit. Um, that content is available on SlideShare. And again, if you um, have trouble finding it on LinkedIn, I'm happy to point you to it. It's um, along with other presentations. I have a bunch of content related to my how to succeed at jobs that don't exist yet uh, workshop there are videos of me doing the workshop which are i think interesting and entertaining is a fun one that i did at baruch college in new york where you can kind of see the process again i have a course on linkedin learning called future proofing your data science career and even if you're not a data scientist i would encourage you to take a look you can fast forward about 20 minutes into the course to my future career toolkit and the three tools are voice, antenna, and mesh. Voice is sort of identifying your brand writ large, sort of personal product development, if you will. And it's based on an ideation exercise I developed with a friend of mine who's a guru in this space. And we use um, triggers, including your favorite TV show or movie or book or even game, to identify you know, what your interests are, um, you, you know, what you might uses your proclivities to guide your sort of career path. The second tool is um, antenna, which is uh, building a grid to track down sources where conversations are going on based on the tendencies you identified with the triggers in the voice exercise. Then the third tool is mesh, which is sort of a 3D data visualization exercise, building your meta network, if you will. So tracking down the actual people and companies that are thought leaders and influencers in the topics that you're interested in. And the exercise includes, you know, reaching for them on LinkedIn, following their blogs, following them on Twitter, um, joining groups that they're on on LinkedIn. Um, again, the numbers game, you know, making sure that mm -hmm. as many people as possible know who you are, what you do, and uh, what your talents are. Thank you for sharing all of that with, with our listeners. And I really encourage people to connect with you. The The resources you have are just invaluable. And again, as a career coach, um, everything that you're talking about in terms of future, also in, in the here and now can help all of that networking, all of that understanding your brand, um, 
how to how to connect that that is just fantastic. Chris, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and and giving our listeners some both hope about the future of their careers and then some insights in the direction that they should go. Um, thank you. We have been talking all about future and future careers. If right now you're facing a layoff, I want to encourage you to check out um, my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. It's a quick read that starts with strategies for handling a layoff meeting and ends with strategies for transitioning into a new job. And hopefully that new job will be on the cutting edge of an industry so that You'll be in a job that just continues to grow and you can stay as long as you want. I know a lot of you are facing layoffs because industries are shrinking. That's one of the reasons we had Chris come on because you wanted to know what was what was expanding. And I think he's done a brilliant job in in helping us focus where our, our, our next move is. For those of you that are listening on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform that lets you rate our show and leave comments, please let us know how we were doing. We are committed to bringing practical career advancing advice to you every week. Your feedback will help us achieve that goal. As I said at the beginning of the show, send your ideas to careercentralhost at gmail.com. Our guest next week is Melanie Waxler, who will share strategies for how to get noticed in a positive way. Um, And right now, with so many people looking for work, and we just call it so much noise out there, you do want to get noticed in a very positive way. So make sure that you join us next week for um, her strategies and challenges. Now, until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman. Encourage you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Mm